This Tuesday, 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 it's the big one. That's right, folks. It's election day, day, day. Tune into your local pedophile channel to watch Amy McGrath lose to Mitch McConnell by double digits, 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 digits. digits. <laughs> Which is very true. Uh, <laughs> she she is getting fucking shit on by double digits. And she was running like a pro-Trump ad in like a swing state ad market <laughs> to like try and help her fledgling campaign. <laughs> Pretty awesome. I respect that. Yeah, uh, Booker would not have had the courage to do something like that. A griff's a griff. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> Both of our uh, contenders tapping into uh, the youth and the culture, uh, getting two chains and Lil Pump, respectively. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, two chains thing is so fucking funny. Like when he was up there talking about how different he was. Like obviously, as a huge two chains fans, I fan, I could, I could tell that it was a callback to his classic like 2012 hit i'm different <laughs> but then when they started playing i'm different <laughs> over the fucking speakers <laughs> and he went who's different <laughs> oh i lost my shit this next election is so many things that's just unanswered we trying to figure out covid we trying to figure out you know social inequalities you know women's rights you know what I mean? So many things we're trying to tackle. I think this next administration that I support, which is Biden-Harris, they offer something different. I speak on being different. I speak on embracing being different. And without further ado, I'm different. Who different? Hands up! Hands up! Hands up! Hands up! Okay, one, one two, two, three. Who different? I'm different, yeah, I'm different. Who different? I'm different, yeah, I'm different. Let's vote. I'm different, yeah, I'm different. Let's vote. Pull up to the scene with my ceiling missing. Pull up to the scene with my ceiling missing. Pull up. This is the Biden culture war. This is what he's going to bring back. He's bringing back all the hits from 2012. Two Chains is going to be yeah. the biggest artist in the world again. <laughs> and Trump's trying to bring back the hits from like 2017. Yeah, exactly. Remember when oh, I was epic? Makes perfect sense. Remember when I was epic, folks? Dude, that YMCA <laughs> video is fucking. It's amazing. It's because it's 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 incredible because it's like two and a half minutes of him doing the same exact dance like tw two dozen different times have you ever seen the seinfeld episode where elaine's like no i really can't dance and then everyone's like oh come on just come out dance it'll be fun and then she does <laughs> dance and it's she looks like him like it's yeah. incredible they're doing the same hand <laughs> movements and everything ted nugent yeah. was at the same rally that lil pump was at and he was definitely pissed he didn't get to go on the stage oh yeah the last right presidential rally like... yeah well it's because trump hates the maga people more than fucking any liberal hates them yeah like imagine what trump if... in a room with ted nugent he's just like he won't shake his hand he won't touch him yeah, he's like so, what do you like? <laughs> do you think he's heard a Ted Nugent song? He's like, I love your music, I love your sound. <laughs> and, uh, speaking I of, uh, sound... You have such a nice uh, vibe. Little Pimp is here. Oh, when he was talking about Lady Gaga, when he was talking about, oh, Lady Gaga? I got some stories about Lady Gaga. It's like... <laughs> I saw, I saw uh, someone reply to something talking about that on Twitter today, and they were like, she's called Lady quote gaga because she kills slash eats children <laughs> <laughs> um 
So, uh, yeah, folks, if you haven't uh, figured it out by now, we are recording this on Election Day. So by the time that you are listening to this, uh, the Internet will cease to exist and we'll be in a full-fledged civil war. Right, folks? Right, guys? Oh, yes, uh, obviously, obviously. On. All the comfortable <laughs> uh, insurance salesman middle managers for Donald Trump will rise up arms against the... Uh, also comfortable liberal identity politics pandering <laughs> left. Yeah. And uh definitely anything's going to happen at all except some complaining on the internet. Yeah. Well, I was actually referring to the more important, more pressing election uh today. Uh New Jersey's referendum on legalizing weed. Am I right, guys? There we go. Let's go. Let's fucking Let's go. go. It's up by like it's like 70-30, like, as long as people yeah. see the question, it will win, but it's on the back yeah. of the ballot, so there's, like, a real chance that no one sees it Nobody but some even psychopaths. Knows it's there, yeah. Yeah. They so couldn't do it the bullshit way, so they have to do it the way every other state did it. Yeah. No, they've actually uh, pioneered a new way of doing it, which is the way, uh, the good way states do it, combined with the bad way. Uh, in that, the bill doesn't actually guarantee you anything. All it guarantees is that mm -hmm. they will vote on how to regulate it. This makes it so they mm. don't have to sign their name on the bill legalizing it. The public did that. Yeah, so the pharmaceutical yeah. companies can't get angry at them. Yeah, but at the same time, it could be like Ohio's bill, where it's like six six people can grow weed, and they're all my best friends. <laughs> like, like just some sort of awful reality TV show version of legalization. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Regulate it like tomatoes, folks. Yeah, but at least those veterans will get their uh, tax credit. Oh, yeah, yeah, and then there's the tax credit. We shouldn't make our whole episode just about New Jersey's electoral <laughs> questions. Oh, no, no, no. I just wanted to bring up the fact that we're about to get legal weed, baby! Yeah, statistically, all of this entire episode should just be about, like, Texan ballot questions. Yeah. Or Pennsylvania. Yeah, John Cornyn, Whoa. is he gay? Yes. <laughs> that's, on, that's a ballot measure? Yes, exactly. You vote on whether or not they're going to make John Cornyn gay in the next meta. <laughs> it could be a major nerf in the Texas region, but at the same time, he could start polling incredibly well in California and become the president. I think when they switched from TX5 to TX6, it really destroyed the meta. Yeah. And uh... Oh, ab absolutely. When they made it so you had to lock into certain roles... Like, as opposed to the previous meta where you could just be a businessman and accidentally become the president. And there was the whole loyalty pledge to Israel in TX6. That was weird, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should do loyalty pledges to other countries, too. I'd sign a loyalty pledge to, uh, I don't know, Burkina Faso. I right was going to say, be very careful about what you're about to say. <laughs> 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 we are recording this and putting it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I swear loyalty to Joseph Coney's uh, uh, Chaz. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> shit, you know what I just found out on Twitter? What? Well, I found Jeremy Corbyn's son who looks like... Uh, oh. Is he handsome? Yeah, yeah, he looks like Let's Ed go. Sheeran and Jeremy Corbyn. He's, like, very <laughs> ginger. So. He's clearly a proud Irishman. Uh, Let's go. But more importantly, he runs the uh, National Hemp Service in the UK, and he's the guy, like... <laughs> Pioneering pot legalization in the UK, I guess. <laughs> awesome. They definitely call it emp. 
Yeah, so... Uh, All on yeah. the National Lamp Service. Jeremy Corbyn confirmed smoking big dicks. Big, big dicks. <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn I... rolls the best backwood this side of the Atlantic Ocean. Well, sure, but they all smoke hemp in the UK. They literally are just smoking hemp. <laughs> <laughs> no one in the United Kingdom has ever been high. Blimey, get us an hemp spliff. <laughs> yeah, get out. Let's spliff our hemp oh, joint. <laughs> spliffing is fucking evil, man. You see those? It's always like a cigarette with like a point two of weed in it. <laughs> yeah, that's the UK. Where? That's all of Europe. Where the fuck do they even get weed? Is it coming up from like Morocco and Algeria? Spain, maybe? Kazakhstan. Jeremy Corbyn's house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Jeremy Corbyn's closet. <laughs> Pull up to my dad's house. Jer- <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn is uh, the father of your uh, drug dealer who you have to, like, talk to for a minute. <laughs> he, like, offers you a drink. He knows what's yeah. up. No one says yeah. anything. <laughs> they, have a, they have a bong on their living room table. <laughs> Welcome back to the Boomer Death Squad 2020 Erection Special. I am your host, Wooden Joe. Ooh, I'm a morning Dan, right? <laughs> okay, okay. And uh, I'm pitching a mat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, woo! Uh, we're going to talk to you about uh, the election, even though we don't care about it. Just kidding, folks. That shit sucks. This podcast is going to be about something else today. Uh, yeah, something else entirely. What? To uh, give you all a break from what I know every single podcast you're listening to is nonstop fucking talking about. Absolutely. The Minecraft update. There's... <laughs> yeah, axolotls, dude. They want the axolotls. Yeah, they like the stalactites. They're scared of the warden. I'm so hyped for caves and cliffs, but I digress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get canceled for being a pro-notch podcast. <laughs> Notch is the only pro Notchy podcast, right? Absolutely. Notch is awesome. He just lives in California alone, miserable yeah. with his billions. <laughs> with his billions of dollars. I'm a Notchist. Yeah, exactly. I'm a, I'm a Notchist third worldist. Notch Morrissey 2020, still ill. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anyway, folks, uh, one of the after effects of this election could be we're losing one of the funniest presidents of all time in Donald J. Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy so dedicated to the bit that he accidentally became the president. So we decided we'd <laughs> read into one of his books, read a little uh-huh. bit about uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. Um, we're not doing Art of the Deal because that shit's hack. Yeah, everybody else already did it. Absolutely. So we present to you. From New York Times best-selling authors, Why We Want You to Be Rich, Two Men, One Message, <laughs> by Donald J. Trump and Robert T. Kiyosaki. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's Kiyosaki. Kiyosaki. <laughs> but you're forgetting two other names there, Meredith McIver and Sharon Lecter. Or, as we will know them in this episode, the two women who wrote this book in place of those two guys. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. They just signed on. They had two Irish broads write them a book, and then they signed their names on it. 
<laughs> no, literally, but Meredith is a mick. I mean, in the in the most literal sense of the word. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, <clears throat> obviously, when I was uh, doing these notes, I was like, I have no idea who three out of four of these people are, so I had to look them up. Um, Meredith McIver is a ghostwriter for Trump and self-described longtime friend and admirer of the Trump family, which, I mean, that's basically an <laughs> IQ test right there. Uh, I've always but, been a fan. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, she's actually the lady that plagiarized Michelle Obama's speech for Melania in 2016, if you guys remember that. <laughs> and vaguely i do yeah, remember it, it that. was so long ago i understand but like that's yeah, so awesome that's lady. such an awesome own on the democrats because they talk so much <laughs> about like you know being proper spoken and the correct rules and postures and then just stealing their speech and giving it again because <laughs> it doesn't matter at all here's 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 the best part about it though uh notably she was not a paid member of the campaign team so. yeah <laughs> hell yeah that's- yeah yeah that's the best part about, like, people associated with the Trumps, like, all of their lawyers or the people who do construction work for them or anything. Like, you just have to commit to the ideology, because they will never pay you. <laughs> don't pay. They just don't pay anyone. They don't pay so. people. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. pro boner. It just, that just reiterates, yes, Trump's classic trope of never paying anyone anyone that works for him for anything at all (laughs) and it was it was also one of the first allegations of him uh violating campaign finance laws which of course accumulated in nothing he's running for re-election oh no campaign finance laws that'll this will surely stop donald trump (laughs) (laughs) there's so much morality and ethics surrounding campaign finance laws how could one break them (laughs) um so that's her, funny in and of herself, but now we move on to the second ghostwriter, Sharon Lecter. Uh, she is a businesswoman, an author, an accountant. Uh, her life consisted of basically perpetual failing upwards through uh, being appointed to managerial and bo- board positions and, you know, companies and whatnot. Uh, presumably from friends and family, though no doubt from other you know, bourgeois scam artists. Uh, her and her husband author a series of books called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. I hadn't, but it was, it's some old, you know, get get rich quick bullshit book uh, series. It's just the um, secret I, for the 90s. It's like, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. For business people. It's a Dr. 90s. Seuss ripoff. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> rich Dad, uh, Nazi Dad. Rich yeah. dad, poor dad, bitch dad, whore dad. <laughs> <laughs> My dad's such a whore. <laughs> My dad's such a bitch. <laughs> He's Not- such a diva. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, her and her husband started a company by the same name with this other, with the other uh, big name attached to it, Robert Kiyosaki. So I had never heard of this guy, of course. Um, so I looked into him. He's also a businessman and an author, co-CEO of uh, Rich Dad Company with the Lecters. He is mainly a get-rich-quick grifter guy. Who He has 24 books on the subject. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't every company a rich dad company? <laughs> yeah, that's the whole, yes. that's the concept of the economy. <laughs> oh, here's the weird part. Here's the weird part about him. So his company's called Rich Dad Poor Dad or whatever. It's, he named it because his dad was rich. And I don't know. It's it's a very strange story. He clearly has pretty deep like daddy issues because it's named <laughs> after his rich dad who hates him for telling other people how he got rich, which is through a bunch of scams. Um, but 
reading from the criticism tab on his Wikipedia, okay? In 2007, the Ohio State Division of Real Estate and Professional Licensing issued a statement warning people against some of the illegal methods preached by Kiyosaki in his books and seminars. In 2010, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation did an expose on scams that were being perpetuated by Kiyosaki's company in Canada in the guise of seminars. Upon tracking the success claims of Rich Dad seminar organizers, they discovered that these claims were not true. Investments in trailer and trailer parks, which were being propagated as successful by seminar teachers, were found to actually be barren pieces of land that no one was using. <laughs> so, Robert Kiyosaki is really doing the Donald Trump grift, right? Where he would go yeah. to, like, you know, marble conventions or whatever and just do stand up on stage about uh, property taxes or whatever and kill. Yes. No, but he yeah, was just exactly. worse at it. Um, it's always a good sign when someone has written 24 books <laughs> on, on the same subject, like, within five years. <laughs> This is yeah. <laughs> Continuing on uh, Mr. Kiyosaki here, um, when it was revealed in uh, September of this year that uh, Trump doesn't pay taxes, uh, he wrote an op-ed on his website, um, richdad.com, titled, Why I'm Glad Donald Trump Paid Zero Dollars in Taxes and Why the Liberal Media is Wrong to Attack Him About His Tax Returns. <laughs> 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 uh, I did... I did uh, uh, I did take that down in notes if we uh, have time for it at the end, but if we don't, we're going to have to do it at some point because it is really stupid. I, I really dig this. First off, we're giving him a Pinocchio because Trump accidentally paid $750 <laughs> in income tax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, no rich person pays anything in income taxes, including Robert Kiyosaki. He started this company with an accountant. I wonder what her job is. <laughs> I wonder what accountants do if they don't immediately kill themselves because of the banal evil of their line of work. Or ghostwrite 24 books. Exactly. Uh, they're there to make sure everyone is being held accountable. Have you ever heard... Have I ever told you about my magic book scheme? Uh, yes. no? Yeah, I'm gonna buy three books by different magicians and then just rewrite the tricks into my own, like, patois and sell it as a magician book. <laughs> and I could probably do that, like, ten times for, with, like, three yeah. books. Become a best-selling author. Exactly, I could become a best-selling magician. And that's sort of what this guy did, but he's, like, a money magician. Someone would ask you to, uh, perform yeah. the... <laughs> and you have to retire in scandal. So... Let's get into this book here. There is a quote before it starts to, uh, you know, sort of introduce the book. Um, the rich are getting richer, but are you? We are losing our middle class, and a shrinking middle class is a threat to the stability of America and to world democracy itself. We want you to be rich so you can be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> that quote is attributed to John Donald J. Trump and Robert T. Kiyosaki. Um, I imagine them, like, after every comma, switching off saying it. Like, they're completing each other's <laughs> sentences. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, this book came out in 2006, which um, was around the time when Donald Trump was... He was still a liberal, but he was, you know, maybe transitioning a little bit into... You know, Obama wasn't president yet, basically. Um, so, they throughout the book, they do these weird things where they just hit on cultural issues from the 90s, like climate change and a shrinking middle class and things like this but their solutions to this are always so funny like like as you can see right here they're talking about how the poor are getting poorer and that's 
You're part of the problem if you're the poor. You're part of the problem if you're poor, and the only solution is to become one of the rich guys. It in no way directs you to the middle Very class. Awesome. You skip that part entirely. Very beast. How uh, how investing in uh, Blackwater can help you reduce your carbon footprint. <laughs> exactly. This is great because it is so reflective over the fact that Donald Trump is, in his heart, like a New York City Democrat. He is the yeah. same politics as Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. Um, so, let's get into it here. This is the introduction. Donald Trump and Robert Kiyosaki are both concerned. Their concern is that the rich are getting richer, but America is getting poorer. Like the polar ice caps, the middle class is disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that quote can be attributed to Donald Trump. Um, America is becoming a two-class society. Soon you will be either rich or poor. Donald and Robert want you to be rich. <laughs> this phenomenon, the shrinking middle class, is a global problem, but predominantly in the richer G8 nations, in countries such as England, France, Germany, Japan, etc., Former Federal Reserve Chairman Al- Alan Greenspan. One of the uh, most evil people of all time. <laughs> yeah. And a former boy of Ayn Rand. Exactly. Yes, yes. Um, as I have often said, this is not the type of thing which a, which a democratic society, a capitalist democratic society, can really accept without addressing. He went on to explain how the income gap between the rich and the rest of us has become so wide and is growing so fast that it might eventually threaten the stability of democratic capitalism itself. I mean... Yeah, because if there's no middle class and poor people have nothing to aspire to, if there's no bridge, there's just a giant gap, then everyone can kind of uh, get together at that point. Exactly. Speak on it, brother. Yes. But, like... There's no no veneer of uh, a ladder to climb. Yeah. There, you cannot climb your way up the veneer of Joe Biden's teeth any longer. Uh, <laughs> I love the, like, throwaway comment about the polar ice caps, because that's, like, the way any Democratic politician addresses it, right? No Green yeah, New no, Deal, exactly. but then mention the polar ice caps. Yes, yes. And In relation to debt or, <laughs> or something. Yes. <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then they quote Alan Greenspan, the most evil person in the world. Mm-hmm. And they explain how the world is either going to be you're rich or you're poor. And they're not saying that they can fix that problem, but they're saying they can make you part of the rich part. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a cool so, pitch for a book. So let's get into their diagnosis, shall we? The problem is education. <laughs> what, did the federal, what did the Federal Reserve Chairman state is the main cause of the problem? In one word, his answer was education. Donald Trump and Robert Kiyosaki also placed the blame on the lack of education, but they focus on a different type of education, financial education. Both men are very concerned about the lack of quality financial education in America at all levels, which of course just means like Chicago School of Economics in like public schools. Not even because they don't want people to know how the sausage is made, you know? That shit is evil mm. on paper. What they're talking yeah. about is you have to come to Robert Kiyosaki's Canadian trailer park scam seminars, or you have to go to Trump <laughs> University to get a degree in being a certified baller. <laughs> and then as president, he's just, like, privatizing schools constantly. Like, it's going to be... Yeah. Maybe one of the most abject things that happened during the Trump administration was the, uh, the full death of public schools and policy at all. In our lifetime, mm-hmm. they're going to be funded by where the student goes, and then we are going to be substituting rich kids going to private schools. 
Yeah, of course her name is slipping. Betsy DeVos. Betsy the... DeVos, sister of yeah. the Blackwater douche. Yeah, and like owner of like the largest uh, fucking franchised private school shit uh, in the whatever. Um, speaking of Trump University, both men are teachers. <laughs> <laughs> Both Donald Trump and Robert Kiyosaki are successful entrepreneurs and investors. Both men do business and are recognized internationally. Both men do business. <laughs> Both men are also teachers. Both men are best-selling authors, pr- produce educational board games, <laughs> speak at financial education events, and both have educational television programs. Yes, they are referencing The Apprentice when they say that Donald Trump has an educational television program. They produce educational board games. <laughs> like what? Monopoly? It's Donald Trump Monopoly edition. Speak Wait. at financial education events. <laughs> like they're own seminars it's, it's, it's donald trump coming like to ninth grade financial readiness class to give a speech on how to balance a checkbook yeah. and like me donald trump also just sat in his chair greening out and then the teacher on their last year before retirement were like you all right joe you all right don <laughs> <laughs> and we both got away with it folks you know why because we are white men Oh, yeah. Let's Not go. because we're Irish. Yeah. If they knew we were Irish, it would be a different story. I would have been executed <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Rich people who want to make a difference tip- typically give money to causes they believe in. But Donald and Robert are giving both of their time as well as their money. As the story goes, you can give a man a fish and feed him for a day, or teach him to fish and feed him for a lifetime. Instead of just writing checks to help the poor and middle class, Donald and Robert are teaching them to fish. Let's go. You can give a man a, a stock and he'll eat for a day, but you can uh, teach a man to insider trade and he'll eat for a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, you can give him your Bloomberg password and he will eat forever. Here, stick your head in this booth, kid. <laughs> <laughs> the Bloomberg terminal is the thing from uh, Righteous Gemstones that Keith is in, the red suit. Oh, yeah, suspended <laughs> in milk with your cock out and they're just transmitting <laughs> stock information into your head. Nice. <laughs> Amazing. Sell. 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 Buy. Buy. I like uh, Donald and Robert are teaching them to fish. Like, I guess they're going for, like, a ham-fisted metaphor, but it's probably literal. They're like, it's wonderful, folks. It's wonderful. You go. You buy a rod. You, you get a worm. You get a worm. You can find them in the ground. The fish you, market these days. Oh my can you goodness. imagine Donald Trump with a like a fresh out of the water fish? He would have no idea what to do. Oh, with he'd it. be terrified. Just pulling one out of the water, it's like squirming around. He's supposed to beat it with a fucking club. He'd be freaking out. It'd be awesome. They should make him like go hunting like animals that haven't been drugged on as much Sudafed as he has after he's president. He can do like the most dangerous game with his sons. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's like uh dick cheney shooting that guy in the face but it's like he accidentally like hooks uh someone's lip with a fish hook or something yeah, dude it is so amazing that they were hunting the bird quail and the guy he was with was dan quail so it, i, I was reading classic, about that right? not too long ago it wasn't dan quail it was some other guy what they was were it? hunting quail yeah i always thought it was dan quail okay then who did dick cheney shoot who did dick cheney shoot Harry Whittington. Oh, what? Ah, that's so good. A 78-year-old Texas attorney. That's so dumb. They didn't know each other beforehand. Wow. Not funny. Not as funny as Quail. What the fuck? That's Come on. awful. I, th- I thought it was the other way around until right now. This sucks. 
Now I'm upset. <laughs> Hell world. <laughs> All right. I did find an article there. that says Dick Cheney has yet to apologize to the man he shot in the face. Oh, yeah, he has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always thought it, he was hunting pheasant with quail, but he was hunting quail with Whittington. Ooh. <laughs> Come on, universe. I thought that was a good friggin' pawn. Come on. All right. right, No, the stars won't align like that. Let's let's, uh, continue on here. Financial advice. There are three levels of financial advice. Advice for the poor, advice for the middle class, and advice for the rich. The financial advice for the poor is that the government will take care of them. The poor are counting on Social Security and Medicare. Yeah, so he's a New York City Democrat, so he's also trying to count Social Security and Medicare still. Because that actually makes people poorer if you give them money so they don't die. (laughs) Well, they go on to uh, talk about that. This is like the whole school of economics that was proved completely false when they had to fucking cut checks for the coronavirus and the economy fucking went up. It got better. Mm -hmm. People were Mm -hmm. buying more. The financial advice for the middle class is get a job. Work hard, live below your means, save money, invest for the long term in mutual funds, and diversify. So here they are, you know, maybe subtly trying to, you know, sow discontent between the poor and the middle class in that the middle class has to work hard to get, you know, nowhere near what the rich get. But the poor just do nothing. That's what he's saying here. The poor do not work. The poor leech off the middle class. Exactly. The poor are all just sitting around on the stoops drinking malt liquor. Like, it's very clear what they think and mean by the you, poor. Yeah, you got, you got what, I, what need. I need. Yeah, it's very always sunny, yes. Um, most people in the middle class are passive investors. Investors who work and invest not to lose. The rich are active investors who work and invest to win. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh. Dog shit. The rich are active um, investors who work and invest to win, like Kelly Loeffner or whatever, that fucking senator who sold all of her stocks right before the corona crash yes, came in. Yes, She was swimming in the milk. <laughs> A little history. In the industrial age, the modern middle class was born in America, and so was democracy. What? <laughs> the founding fathers of America were so impressed by the five tribes of the Iroquois Confederacy, who lived in what is today known as New England, that they used the tribal model as the model for our democracy. Why don't that... they still live there? <laughs> yeah, I wonder what happened to them. I guess they weren't that impressed. <laughs> that model elected representatives, an upper and lower house, and a Supreme Court, made up of entirely women. <laughs> Which is also what, what Donald Trump believes ladies only. <laughs> Neil Gorsuch is actually a trans woman. (laughs) Nice. Today, in the information age, the middle class is slowly dying, and so is democratic capitalism. Unlike any other time in history, there really is a very wide and growing gap between the haves and have-nots. Are we going backward, into the agrarian age, when there was no democracy and only two classes? Or will we evolve into a new form of capitalism and democracy? Oh Oligarchy. <laughs> no. The middle class I being a completely arbitrary assignment of how much wealth someone has. There have always been two classes. Uh, we just eat yes. our bread with tomato sauce, cheese, and olive oil now. This, <laughs> this, this concept that they have of democratic capitalism, they're pretending that that's not just oligarchy. Because that's what democratic capitalism is. It's what it was always, especially American, it was, all, it was what it was built to be was oligarchical. Absolutely. The Electoral College exists to keep people out. My favorite quote and the greatest refutation of Hamilton is, 
the people are a great beast. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Like, these were a bunch of fancy lads who were scared of us, but wanted to figure out how to make it so we paid taxes to them instead of the king, and this is what we ended up with. Yes. So, problems on the horizon. <laughs> Just as we are only now becoming aware of the effects of global warming, we are also only now becoming aware of the effects of the loss of our middle class. Businessmen, not politicians. <laughs> People expect their elected government officials to take care of the growing problems facing the poor and middle class. Donald Trump and Robert Kiyosaki are not politicians. Although there is a strong movement brewing for Donald to run for president. I'm not kidding. That's what it says this. When did <laughs> they this write book this, come out? 2006. What were we doing in 2006, boys? Uh, uh, I didn't know what jerking off was. Nor did I. 2006, I was nine years old. I was playing Roblox, probably. Uh, right, I was probably I was playing like, Lego Star Wars. Yeah, I probably was too. <laughs> I was seven, I really wanted to watch South Park, but I wasn't allowed and I couldn't <laughs> figure out how to. Yeah, I was getting told I wasn't allowed to watch Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Alright, anyway. I was never stopped I never from watching anything, and that's why I'm the way I am. Uh, perfect brain. <laughs> I am whatever I say I am. <laughs> They write this book as entrepreneurs, investors, and educators. Instead of promising to solve your problems, they want you to avoid becoming a victim of the problems. Do not expect your political and government officials to provide solutions. Do not think you are entitled to a secure, prosperous, and healthy life. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Instead, Donald and Robert want you to become rich and become part of the solution to the problems we face as a nation and the world. The solution to poverty is... Every single person is rich now. Do not think you are entitled to a secure, prosperous, and healthy life. He said this as a Democrat, and it was probably wild, yeah. widely revered. Yes, no, yes. That it's, people applaud him for that, of course. Yeah, that's Nancy amazing. Nancy Pelosi applauds him for this. Um, I love the idea that Donald Trump has been talking about running for president since, like, 2006. <laughs> yeah. And then he did it because he wanted to launch his, like, whatever... Uh, energy bra brand or yeah. something and then he became yeah. the president <laughs> amazing a matter of vision <laughs> most rich people do not want you to know what they know or their secrets to becoming rich but donald <laughs> and robert are different this book is about vision about seeing what most people never see through the eyes of two men who have won at the game of money <laughs> 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 all right money cannot solve poverty. The one problem money cannot solve is poverty. While there are many underlying causes of poverty, one of the causes is a lack of financial education. The problem with throwing money at the issue of poverty is that money only creates more poor people and keeps people poorer longer. This is why Donald and Robert are teachers. And this is the sort of early 2000s bullshit economics that was, again, smashed to death when they just gave people money because of the coronavirus. Smashed to death four years later in the worst recession since the Great Depression. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But they would still say the same thing. Well, you can't just give the poor people money. They're going to buy iPhones and Hennessy. And it's oh, like, right, I've right. bought an Android phone and <laughs> Hennessy with my money. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, but generally it was a good thing for people who aren't scumbags like me. So that wraps up the introduction. Uh, and we can move on to the first chapter. Uh, but I think that pretty well sums up sort of like, uh, yeah, Donald Trump's politics 15 years ago. And also like, 
<laughs> yeah, his his worldview, the worldview of other rich people at this point, the worldview of liberals at the end of history. Exactly. He's talking like a uh, Varga, the David Thewlis character at the end of season three of Fargo. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to show you how to get wealthy. Not money, but wealthy. <laughs> wealthy means planes with double bodies flying around every corner of the world. Wealthy means money in Swiss and in Bangladesh. Wealthy means a hundred dollar suit and a thousand dollar gun. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of a rich guy in Bangladesh might be the most horrifying prospect in the world. <laughs> That's the whole concept of the British Raj, buddy. <laughs> and then after that, the concept of the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> first chapter, which is also the only chapter we're reading because I got enough out of half of the first chapter uh, for this entire episode. Imagine what secrets lie in the rest of the book. <laughs> let let us be clear, today, folks. Boys. Yeah, we're not getting rich today. Uh, we didn't finish the book, so we're going to invest all of our money into uh, the Iraqi dinar. <laughs> which I saw... I saw a tweet today of someone tweeting Donald Trump asking him to revalue the dinar already because they sank all their money into it. <laughs> now they don't have any fucking money. Oh my god. It would be so a really funny. cool thing for Trump to do as a lame duck president because only his idiot mm. followers believe in it. Just just literally <laughs> do it. Like this kind of impossible uh. thing they think he's going to do. <laughs> They're like, hey man, cutting it a little close here, don't you think? Yeah. That dinar thing was such a funny one-off, like, three years ago, and now it's come back in this one tweet in full force, and I am just so happy. Um, but, chapter one, millionaire meets billionaire. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Chicago, November 6th, 2005. It is early Sunday afternoon. Sunday. Tens Sunday morning. <laughs> Tens of thousands of people are attending a large real estate exposition put on by the Learning Annex in Chicago. The convention hall is filled with exhibits and displays of wealth-building investments and opportunities. In smaller classrooms, instructors are sharing their knowledge and wisdom about how the attendees can build their own personal fortunes. The cavernous hall is filled with a buzz that is contagious. People are excited about what they are learning and how it can uh, alter their financial destinies. Backstage, in the large room where the production crews are working, there is a different excitement. It is a quiet, electric excitement. A long, black limousine has pulled up, and people have begun to whisper, He's here! Donald Trump has arrived! <laughs> <laughs> so yes, this is when he was just a celebrity. Um, uh, yeah, sharing their knowledge and wisdom about how the attendees can build their own personal fortunes. They're like telling, it's multi-level marketing. They're like, go become door-to-door knife, knife and Bible salesman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, alter your financial destiny by uh, selling people uh, 
shoes with soles that turn around so you can't tell who's following you. I called them sneakies. <laughs> Standing outside the green room, I can see a tall, imposing figure step out of the limo. It could only be Donald Trump. His silhouette known to millions of The Apprentice viewers from around the world. He does have the- a very notable silhouette. Yes, he That's does. True. It's very wide. It's like leaning forward at a 45 degree <laughs> angle. Those of us fortunate enough to have backstage passes spontaneously form two lines. So if you haven't figured it out already, this first chapter is from the point of view of Robert. Almost on cue, Donald Trump walks between the two lines of admirers, smiling and nodding. It is a greeting reserved for royalty or heads of state. Donald Trump is basically Mm -hmm. American royalty, and I guess he is the head of our state. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This part is phenomenal. Oh my God, gasps a young woman. He's even more impressive in real life. I cannot believe how tall he is, says another young woman. (laughs) Did you see his hair, asks another. (laughs) For the most part, the men in the group are silent. (laughs) Donald Trump just walks by every woman cream. She's like, that's amazing. This tall, fat, orange man. (laughs) Oh my god, this chinless god. Who had part of his skin. Galp it removed to look like he still has hair. <laughs> Bent slightly forward at the waist at the oddest angle I've ever seen. Literally, mm-hmm. he defies gravity. Like he must have incredibly <laughs> strong ankles or something. Well, he has he has the little uh, he has a little hover thing that Baron Harkonnen has because he's too fat to move. So he's got this little thing around his waist that helps him. Uh, you know, hover and, and walk. That's why he's at that weird angle and defying gravity. In the last season of Venture Bros, when Rusty's like, the future is now, and he jumps out the window <laughs> in the floating belt thing, and he's just bleeding out, floating. <laughs> very beast, very nice. Um, Donald Trump emerges from the green room and walks over to where Bill and I are standing. I don't know who Bill is. I don't care. Bill Clinton. After a f- after a few private words with bill donald turns to me and says hello again you're introducing me i nod in response great i'll see you on the new york times bestseller list says donald that's amazing then he lowers his voice just a notch i want to talk to you about something have you got time right now of course i reply you're the number one personal finance author and i'm the number one business author we should do a book together what do you think Stunned by the offer, I am speechless. That's a great idea, Bill Zanker says. I guess that's just a pseudonym for Bill Clinton. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Bill Wanker. Jumping to fill in the... (laughs) Wanker, nice. Uh, Bill Nance. Jumping in to fill the void caused by my silence. It would definitely be a bestseller. Finally, I recover and feebly reply. Great idea. Let's do it. Knowing that Donald doesn't (laughs) care to shake hands, I risk extending my hand to see if he's serious about this book idea. He is, and we shake. Donald then turns to Keith, his imposing bodyguard, and says, Give Robert my card. So... I just want to I want to harp on that that sentence. I recover and feebly reply. Now, if you imagined him saying that sort of like looking down at the ground like about to cry, his voice is quivering, I did too. And what I really found striking about this first chapter is how much of a fucking bitch this guy robert is he is such a pussy yeah you can portray yourself in any way you want and around donald trump he's just like quavering he's like please please sir fuck my wife it's pretty awesome he's 
<laughs> he's just constantly talking about how anxious he is and how how much of a fucking idiot he is. So knowing that Donald doesn't care to shake hands, I'm just imagining Donald. <laughs> first off, of course he doesn't care to shake hands. He doesn't want to touch anyone. Human beings are no. disgusting to him in the most yes. literal sense. Yes. Second, I'm imagining Donald Trump doing his weird crushing handshake on this guy, <laughs> like breaking his hand, and the guy's just looking yeah. at it in awe. Yeah, his hand is like, his palm is like astoundingly soft, but he has the tightest grip in the world because he thinks that a good handshake is just to hurt the other person. <laughs> and he does that weird thing where he like grabs you and like yanks you towards him. <laughs> That's my favorite thing he does when he meets other political leaders. That's something I'll miss. Like he's shaking Emmanuel Macron's hand and he's just like patting yeah. him on the head or something. <laughs> like, like he's just being awful. It's amazing. Yeah. The king of Thailand. Yeah, exactly. He's just like pushing him over. He's like tripping him. <laughs> like... Flying home from Chicago to Phoenix, the reality of the handshake set in. Who am I to write a book with Donald Trump? I kept asking myself. And what would we write about? <laughs> care for a blanket the flight attendant asked snapping me out of my turmoil i'd just like to point out the sjw language there calling her a flight attendant and not a stewardess <laughs> no thank you i replied with a smile as soon as the flight attendant left the idea we could write about real estate popped into my head fucking <laughs> dude what he presumably has like 20 books out at this point and he's just like his mind is reeling over what he could possibly write about with Donald Trump. And again, neither of these guys wrote this book. They're just going to tell these two ladies <laughs> yes. what they'd like their book to be about. Yes. And he wants his part of the book to be about what a cuck he is. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. Literally. <laughs> and, and, and here's where we get into him being a cuck, alright? Oh, yeah. As soon as it popped into my head, with that thought, my personal critic chimed in. The critic who had been torturing me ever since the book idea was proposed. My critic cynically asked, You and Donald Trump write a book on real estate? When it comes to real estate, Donald Trump is in the major leagues, and you're in the little leagues. <laughs> he builds skyscrapers in New York, and what do you own? A few apartment houses, a few low-rise commercial buildings, and some raw land? Besides, he's a billionaire, and you're only a millionaire. <laughs> Such a fucking pussy. Yeah, Donald Trump is like Jeffrey Epstein's landlord versus this guy's the landlord <laughs> of, like, you know, single mothers all over America. And he's like, God yeah. damn, I'm just not there yet. I'm not being offered boys on silver platters every night. <laughs> Until now, I had been pretty satisfied with my accomplishments in life. But when considering a book with Donald Trump, my successes and accomplishments seemed very small and inconsequential. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of feeling honored to be asked to write a book with Donald Trump, I felt miserable. What can we possibly write about? I asked myself over and over again as the plane flew from Chicago to Phoenix. Why don't you write about how small your penis is, man? Yeah, write about uh, you having a very small dong. Write about how Wait, Donald wait, wait. I need to clarify. That was not a racist joke. That was a cuck joke. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, maybe we can't do small penis on Asians. <laughs> that sucks. That's such a good out. Like, you, it's a racist to say you have a small penis if you're Asian. That's awesome. Yeah. The Irish like have no right. such luck. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got a big dick, but he can't get it hard at all. <laughs> He can only get it hard when he thinks about real estate. Yeah. <laughs> After two weeks had passed, Bill Zanker called from New York and asked, Have you called Donald? No, I haven't, I replied. Why not? Because I'm turning into a chicken, I said, and uttered a few chicken sounds. 
<laughs> what the fuck is wrong with this man? I to demonstrate ch- that I was indeed turning into a chicken. I began because I'm turning into a chicken. Bok bok bok. I began to bok and peck at the <laughs> ground. I ate food out of a trough. <laughs> I've developed an affinity for seeds. <laughs> Besides, what would we write about? He and I are both entrepreneurs, and we both invest in real estate. But his financial statement has a few more zeros in it than mine. <laughs> He's a peacock, and I'm just a chicken. Yeah. Cluck, cluck, cluck. You both have more money than God. You have more money than you could ever spend in your lifetime. The acquisition yes. of money is some sort of sick sport to both of you. <laughs> you should write about the holes in your soul. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cut it out, said Bill. You've sold over 26 million copies of your books, which can be translated as shut the fuck up and the fucking pity party, you loser. (laughs) You're known all over the world. You've been on the New York Times bestseller list for five years. Five years! Don't sell yourself short. You are both best-selling authors, which uh, I think we should end with David Bowie's five years. What do you guys think? Five years! (laughs) Yeah, I responded sheepishly, but he still has more zeros and commas. His buildings are taller. <laughs> he has a prime hit he has a hit prime television show. We both play golf, but he owns golf courses. What would we write about? <laughs> Again, he's just complaining about how much larger Donald Trump's penis is. Absolutely. He's got more money, he's got more land, he owns golf courses. Trump restaurants have the wettest sauce in the world. <laughs> like he's <laughs> Trump actually somehow has more of a chin than this man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Chad Donald uh, Trump versus the Virgin uh, <laughs> Kiyosaki. <laughs> That's the least racist way I can talk about it, like a uh, Mortal Kombat character. Uh, Robert, just call Meredith and find out, Bill said kindly. Just talk to her. She's, radi- she's waiting for your call, so call her now. It's written like such shit. Even if I cannot, I do not believe that this is exactly what these people were saying. Because it just reads like a fucking seventh grader's argumentative essay. Anyway, before I could lose my nerve, I hung up with Bill and dialed Meredith's number. Hello, this is Meredith McIver, and this book was born. I'd like to imagine he never spoke to Donald Trump again after that moment. (laughs) <laughs> Unfortunately, he does. I don't think I took any notes on it. Why are you sweating so much? <laughs> so the next part is called The Boardroom, uh, December 12th, 2005. Um, so this is uh, where we're going to be finishing up. Um, he does not meet with Donald again in this chapter. He just has a conversation with his wife and Meredith McIver about the book. So starts out. <clears throat> For those of you who have seen The Apprentice, you are probably familiar with the gilded entrance to Trump Tower on New York City's famous Fifth Avenue. Standing on the sidewalk like a country bumpkin, I learned I leaned back and let my gaze climb the heights, story after story, until my eyes finally found the point where the building and the sky met. Trump Tower is definitely a lot bigger than any building Kim and I own. Kim uh, is his wife. <laughs> Kim Kardashian, his wife. Again, he just cannot stop thinking about... How much bigger Donald Trump's cock is. <laughs> it's like he's never been to a city before. He's like, here it is, the Big Apple. If I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. Yeah, yeah. He's like a fucking multi, multi-millionaire. And he's just like, gosh, look at how big it is. <laughs> gosh. He's trying to write a, uh, a Broadway musical. Well, I slapped a lot of houses on top of one another. Exactly. <laughs> um, I remembered one of Donald's favorite sayings. 
Think big. (laughs) (laughs) Just by standing in front of his building, I realized how much bigger my thinking was that day than it was when I had first arrived in New York. Wow, I said aloud. (laughs) Think big. (laughs) I mean, tell tell me this couldn't be written by a fucking middle schooler. It sounds like it was written by, like, some poor Malaysian guy off Fiverr. <laughs> oh, yeah, they- if they got a, like, a Malaysian teenager on Fiverr to write this, it would be better than what they have. Yeah. Are we talking mainland Malaysia or Borneo Malaysia? <laughs> I don't- I don't What do you know. mean by mainland <laughs> Malaysia? Like, the- I mean, the part of Malaysia that's attached to Thailand oh, or the like, part that's like in Ireland. Like the peninsula thing? Yeah. There. We'll have our debate over which part of Malaysia is mainland Malaysia in the next episode. But it's definitely it's Borneo, ma- bitch. Well, well I, didn't, I don't mean the main part, because that's where the capital is and stuff I know, but, like, the actual continental part of Malaysia. Yeah, yeah, it's just... I.e. the mainland, you know, since I've been a ship explorer. <laughs> Any, anyway, um, <laughs> if you have watched The Apprentice, you are familiar with the entrance to Mr. Trump's office with the attractive receptionist guarding the door. And this is parenthetically. For those of you with inquiring minds, Donald had a replica of his office built a few floors below his office for the television show. Instead of walking into his real boardroom, he takes an elevator down and walks into the replica of his boardroom. (laughs) (laughs) So there are two identical floors of his... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah thing. it's funny because it's filmed at trump tower because it's like it would make sense if they made a replica of his office and they filmed in like la or something or just not in the same building but he just dedicates an entire floor to a second office <laughs> designed to look like his first office <laughs> the first person to greet us once the receptionist had us take a seat was keith donald trump's giant bodyguard <laughs> He always mentions that he's giant. Large, Constantly large talking man. about how big he is. He stayed with us, offered us water, and kept us company until the door to the main <laughs> office opened, and Meredith walked in. Do you think Keith is good company? Definitely not. <laughs> Meredith is the classic young New York City executive woman. An attractive woman who would be perfectly at home in London, Paris, Sydney, Tokyo, Toronto, or Beijing. I know all of the cities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking, that means nothing. Comparing Toronto to these other cities is hilarious. (laughs) She extended her hand and offered us a warm smile as she said, Great to finally meet you. After a few minutes of chatting, Meredith asked, What would you like to write about? Well, I am very concerned about poverty, I replied. (laughs) I believe we could write about what we would do to end it. The the title could be Ending Poverty. (laughs) (laughs) And then they're like, no, no, you couldn't end poverty. Nah, never mind. Well, yeah. Meredith nodded. That could be a possible subject. (laughs) What's your job? I'm mostly an ideas man. (laughs) (laughs) Or I'm concerned about how the rich are getting richer. But America America as a nation gets poorer. We could write about the demise of the middle class and the poor, how high-paying jobs are being exported to China and India... I've also been concerned for a long time about pensions disappearing and Social Security and Medicare going broke just as baby boomers begin to retire. Mr. Trump is also very concerned about those issues, Meredith said. (laughs) Again, this conversation did not happen. It did not take place. This is an 
advertisement for Donald Trump and his books, which we will get into right now. It's awesome, though. High-paying jobs disappearing to India. Like, he said he was going to end the H-1B visa and all these things that allow, uh, you know, people from Mumbai to come to the United States and work for slave wages rather than hire Americans. He could have ended it with an executive order, but he has no interest in actually doing that. In fact, it's where all of his labor comes from. Exactly. And he still doesn't pay them. <laughs> yes. So, so uh, Robert's wife, Kim, speaks up. He wrote a great book about it. The America We Deserve, Kim said. Yes, replied Meredith. He wrote about his concern with those issues, as well as the threat of terrorist attacks, even before the attack on September 11th. Before 9-11, asked Kim. <laughs> Meredith nodded. <laughs> <laughs> He has a whole section, not only on terrorism, but he also talks about the out-of-control national debt. Hell yeah. he doesn't just identify problems, he also goes into his unique solutions. Kim nodded. She had loved the book. (laughs) (laughs) So, So here, Meredith explains to Kim the chapters of the book that Kim loves. This conversation didn't happen. It's an ad for Donald Trump's book. Period. That's that's what this is. In this other book by Donald Trump. <laughs> yes. It's that is probably I mean, the rest of this book is probably more ads for more books by Donald Trump and Robert Kiyosaki and ads for Rich Dad Poor Dad. <laughs> I mean, that's that's why they write books. So, Meredith continued. There is a lot more to Mr. Trump than simply television shows, beauty pageants, casinos, and real estate. He's also a pedophile. No, I added that part. (laughs) Anyone concerned with our current global problems and how to solve them should read his book. Donald Trump's going to solve all of the problems. (laughs) He's going to solve the national debt, which I do think you could solve literally by minting a coin. (laughs) You could. Uh... We are more in debt now than we've ever been, which is just funny, because that's usually what Republicans try and avoid, at least ostensibly. Mm -hmm. But this is how it works, I guess. When they're in charge, they spend whatever they want, and then when Joe Biden wins, the Republican Party's going to become a debt hawk party. Of course. And so will the Democratic Party. Oh yeah, the Democratic Party's happy to play ball, dude. We're not going to have any policy that's not prepaid for by cutting, you know, food for the disabled or some other program. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Trump starts preaching MMT, but he tells everyone the T stands for Trump. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no one could be um, a good grift for Trump after the presidency, maybe? What's what? that? You should start, like, a competing Starbucks with, like, coffee-flavored coffee. <laughs> like, that's his whole business model. Yeah, yeah. No like, pumpkin spice, not allowed. Exactly. Massive Danishes. Like a, like a Mission Barbecue-esque <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a Mission Barbecue Starbucks. <laughs> The charges. Our co- coffee isn't fair trade. But it does not give cops free coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Hamburger flavored coffee, steak flavored coffee. Exactly. The bacon so Muslim Buster Latte. <laughs> you can be assured there are slaves in our supply chain. Yeah, it's a promise. <laughs> <laughs> so, Robert speaks up. So we definitely have some issues in common. You know, we met at the Learning Annex. We have both been teachers for that organization for years. I find it interesting that such a rich and famous celebrity as Mr. Trump would come speak to the general public. In fact, I've been curious about why he teaches, but we're both always in such a hurry. I never get a chance to ask him. (laughs) Yeah, teaching. That's why he's in the general public. He's not he the general public. Yeah, he's just he's fraternizing with the help because he's just such an altruist. Yeah, it's like no, he's doing fucking 
the equivalent of stand-up corporate comedy and, like, getting himself out there to be a famous guy. That's the most important thing to him. Mm-hmm. He's mad he hasn't been asked to be on Undercover Boss, so he's just trying to do it <laughs> Exactly. Himself, yeah. but he's not slick. <laughs> he's a natural teacher, Meredith said. <laughs> I've seen yeah, that over I, the I gotta stop you for a second. The idea of Donald Trump on Undercover Boss is amazing. <laughs> like, just trying nice. to pretend you are not Donald Trump, but very clearly <laughs> being him. How would they disguise him? What job would Donald Trump allow someone who looks like him to work? <laughs> you look like shit, sweetie. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah. It just ends He's up like... with him firing everyone after he has a conversation with them. Exactly. He's a natural teacher, Meredith said. I've seen that over the years working for him. Just look at The Apprentice. When Mark Burnett proposed the idea for the show to him, Mr. Trump insisted the show have educational value or he wouldn't do it. <laughs> I'm sure that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's the most important thing to Donald Trump, that people get smarter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, Kim said. I watch the show for lessons in business, and I like learning how he handles different situations. But the best part is how he shares the thought process behind his actions. I like knowing why he fires someone, I said. The Apprentice is entertaining as well as educational. I don't feel like I'm wasting my time. I always feel I've learned something practical, something I can use. So, if this isn't just an advertisement for Donald Trump's books and television shows, it is extremely informal of how much of a fucking dullard moron Robert Kiyosaki is. <laughs> well, yeah, dude, I watched this... The Apprentice for business. For advice <laughs> from Donald Trump, a guy who loses hundreds of millions of dollars every single year on purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's Chuck Grassley watching The Apprentice, watching The Apprentice, and still no business. It's a picture taken two inches from his face, clearly by him. <laughs> of In front of the television screen? Yes. <laughs> Hashtag real business channel. It would be cool if uh, Donald Trump and Mike Pence got struck by lightning suddenly, and then Chuck Grassley became president. Or who else has to die? Does Pelosi? Oh, uh I thought you were going to say if Donald Trump and Mike Pence got struck by lightning and became, like, charged creepers. <laughs> <laughs> they become Super Saiyan Donald Trump and Pence. What CDs would they drop? Disc 11, right? They get killed by a skeleton's arrow. Bangarang. <laughs> <laughs> Bangarang made in Minecraft note blocks. Yeah, it would be really cool if Skrillex came out as a Donald Trump guy. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. like instead of little pump he was on stage just like he's here it's a skillet <laughs> <laughs> maybe the angle of this book is that you were both teachers kim chimed in after all you both are entrepreneurs and real estate investors which has now been stated about a dozen times you founded a gold mining company in China. Holy and shit! Took it public. No. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> also, a real estate investment company, a silver mining company in South America. That is worse! That is company. even worse! <laughs> yes! Yes! It's insane! And an oil company. Lots of people know that. Just like they know about Trump Tower and Trump Place. But they don't know the two of you are teachers. Jesus I failed Christ. to find oil, I said sarcastically. <laughs> he was a bad You oil founded man. a South American oil company. You're the reason Stephen Dozinger's in jail. You founded a gold mining yeah. company in China. You also produce yeah. suicide nets. <laughs> <laughs> 
You founded you... a silver mining company in South America. You don't have employees. You own them. Yes. I, I mean, that's... This guy is a slave driver. Uh, I mean, unambiguously. They just said so. Yeah, this guy has done more evil things than Donald Trump. Donald Trump's just an idiot who's laundering money through fucking awful construction projects. This guy, <laughs> this guy is extracting natural resources from the third world and exporting <laughs> them to the metropole. This guy's like a yeah. colonialist. <laughs> but... I failed to find oil, I said sarcastically. <laughs> Kim laughed. Not every business succeeds, she said. And Mr. Trump has not always succeeded, added Meredith. He's had his challenges, too. I like to imagine this guy went to South America like there will be blood, just with, like, an oil-finding stick. <laughs> found his found this lady who ghostwrites his books for him, similarly to how the, he gets his uh, son in There Will Be Blood. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's what we have of this book. Um... Mr. Trump. It's basically just an advertisement. Yeah, millionaire meets billionaire. The silver mine in Brazil is owned by a company called Anglo Gold. <laughs> a subsidiary of the East India Trading Company, like literally headquarters, headquarters Johannesburg, South Africa. <laughs> Holy a, a South shit. African company called Anglo Gold owning mining operations and oh my god in Brazil holy shit that is so far on the nose well they were holy fuck they were right baby sun never sets on the British Empire this is how their state still exists I guess <laughs> holy shit owned by a guy from like Arizona yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God. I wonder which one he has a stake in, because I'm looking at South American silver mines, and it looks like there's four main ones in Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, and Peru. I'm going to guess it's probably the least successful one this Robert guy owns. He has one mm. personal slave down there mining for him in a hole. <laughs> he wasn't very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh... That's our reading from uh, Why We Want You to Be Rich, Two Men, One Cup. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I if you'd never heard of Robert Kiyosaki um, before, like me, before I read this book, um, I think now you pretty much get exactly who he is. Um, I think we're going a little bit long. I think we should do the um, the uh, Robert Kiyosaki op-ed in a different episode. I, think I we just found... Save it. I just found an article from January 2020 where Robert Kiyosaki is telling people that they should invest in gold and silver. <laughs> <laughs> a lame duck Donald Trump puts us back on the gold standard for the sake of Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, um, I, yeah. yeah, I agree. Let's do the article later. Uh, anything in closing on this book? Um... I mean, fucking read it for yourself. We'll include the uh, link to the PDF that we had uh, in uh, Library Genesis. Also, if you don't know what Library Genesis is and you're a college student, we might as well do this. We might as well plug it. If you don't want to pay for your books, head over to Library Genesis. Google LibGen, go to their Wikipedia, and there will always be a uh, active link to get you this massive catalog of a bunch of books. And it's where we found this one. And I'll put the link to it in the description if you want to read this fucking bullshit. <laughs> 
I don't know if we can do the link per se, like we don't want to necessarily be advertising that through the podcast, but uh, if you if you look up this Wikipedia page, there's absolutely nothing we can do to stop you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> two guys, one cup. Robert Kiyosaki is dead because the uh, glass jar broke in his anus. Uh, I've been Joe. Thanks for listening to Boomer Death Squad. You can follow us on Twitter at Boomer Death Pod. Uh, I've been Danny. And I've been Matt. Bye-bye. See ya. Farewell. I heard telephones, opera house, favorite melodies. That's all boys, toys, electric irons and TVs. My brain hurt like a warehouse. It had no room to spare. I had to cram so many things to store. Everything in there. And all the fat, skinny people. And all the tall, short people. I thought